Yeah, it's the first large-scale transit project that not only this region, but the entire state of South Carolina has ever seen. It's really exciting. It'll be transformative, um, for sure, and give people options, which is what you need to do in, in, yeah. in mobility. Mike Seekings is a Charleston City Councilman and the chair of the Charleston Area Regional Transit Authority. Today, he joins me to talk all things transit, including one step that the area can take now for downtown workers. Welcome to Now Charleston. I'm Sam Spence. It's Monday, May 15th. Now Charleston takes a look at a handful of issues three times a week and tells you why they're important. I got a few quick headlines for you from the weekend before that interview with Councilman Seekings. Charleston city leaders will hear feedback from business owners on the proposed King Street Business District uh, this week. A three-day event in July will mark the 200th anniversary of Denmark Vesey's a uh, three-day event in July will mark the 200th anniversary of Denmark Vesey's attempt at a liberation revolt, a plan he hatched here in Charleston. A downtown bike taxi driver is recovering from severe injuries after being rear-ended early Friday by a driver accused of driving under the influence. An environmental group say a 9,000-home development north of Daniel Island would destroy unprecedented amounts of wetlands, making flooding concerns worse in the area and nearby. Those stories in my interview with Mike Seekings. Starting now. Business owners who object to it being included in a new proposed business improvement district along King Street will converge on Charleston City Hall uh, Tuesday to voice those concerns. The rules of the district would allow a new tax to be collected from every business in the district, which runs from about Broad Street to Line Streets, uh, to be used for events, security, cleaning, decorations, and other expenses. Uh, the group's leaders include a developer, business owners, uh, the Charleston Tourism Bureau leader, and a PR firm owner, according to the Post and Courier. Critics of the plan had said the proposal would speed up gentrification of the street, displacing minority business owners and tenants. After business owners give their comments to council members, uh, council will discuss what they hear, according to a meeting agenda. The district is just the latest attempt by the city to get any semblance of a hold on growth along King Street, as national chain stores continue opening along the retail corridor, catering to tourists, sometimes at the expense of local businesses. A three-day event in July will mark the 200th anniversary of a plan to liberate hundreds of enslaved people hatched in Charleston by a man named Denmark Vesey. The event's slated for July 14th, 15th, and 16th. The events include panel discussions, comedians, entertainers, scholars, and more. The whole thing is a joint effort between Emmanuel AME Church, the International African American Museum, and the Charleston Gilliard Center. According to the Post and Courier, comedians W. Kamal Bell and D.L. Hughley will perform, along with TV personalities like Charlemagne the God, the nationally syndicated morning radio host and Comedy Central host who hails from Monk's Corner. Tanya Matthews, CEO of the International African American Museum, and Tamara Butler, uh, Executive Director of the Avery Center for African American History and Culture at College of Charleston, will also participate. In 1822, Vesey was a formerly enslaved man who purchased his own freedom and organized a plan to free hundreds of enslaved people and sail to Haiti to live. Those plans were discovered, and ultimately Vesey uh, was among dozens who were executed for the plot. Today, a statue to Vesey sits in Hampton Park. Tanya Matthews from the International African American Museum said, quote, No other community can take this on the way Charleston can, unquote. A 34-year-old downtown bike taxi driver is recovering from serious injuries after a 22-year-old man reportedly hit him from behind early Friday morning. 
The driver was accused of felony driving under the influence and hit and run resolving in death or injury. The driver registered a 0.19 blood alcohol content on the breathalyzer test, which is twice the legal limit of 0.08. In bond court, the victim's partner said the man remained in the hospital with broken ribs, broken clavicle, and two broken legs. Both lungs collapsed, he said, and the man suffered spinal cord damage, according to the Posting Courier. I'll include a link to the GoFundMe that's being circulated in the show notes at nowtrialson.com. Without any previous record, the accused man was granted a $75,000 bail and was released late Friday. This wouldn't be the first drunk driving incident where a driver hit a bike taxi. I just searched around and found at least one more. Please be careful out there. Watch out for cyclists and rickshaws when you're driving and get a ride home if you shouldn't be driving. A new master plan community on the Kanehoi Peninsula, north of what's now Daniel Island, is drawing criticism from environmental groups for permits that would allow a developer to destroy nearly 200 acres of freshwater wetlands, according to the Posting Courier. The permits came through from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers last week. The development's called Point Hope, and it would include some 9,000 homes and could be bigger than Daniel Island when all is said and done. In a statement, Jason Crowley from the Coastal Conservation League said the city and the U.S. Army Corps had a chance to create a walkable, sustainable city, but, quote, instead they're going to build a low-density, suburban-style community with two houses per acre that is the exact opposite of what an environmentally, culturally sensitive development should be. We should have learned our lessons a long time ago. The Coastal Conservation League and the South and the Southern Environmental Law Center have criticized the Army Corps permits, saying the wetland destruction could impact flooding elsewhere on Cane Hoy and even in the Francis Marion National Forest nearby. A city Charleston spokesperson said that despite the decision, the city would continue to use its oversight power to make sure regulations are followed in the area. Mike Seekings represents downtown and Charleston City Council, and he's the chair of the Charleston Area Regional Transit Authority. And until just a few weeks ago, he was chairman of the city's Traffic and Transportation Committee. Now he's vice chair. We sat down with him last week to talk all things transportation, including the planned bus rapid transit line and making sure downtown workers have places to park for work and more. Councilman Mike Seekings, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to the chat. So we're sitting here on May 12th, a couple days after you guys uh, committed the final $1 million to fully fund the Ashley River Bike Pedestrian Bridge. Uh, tell us a little bit about where we are in that project and kind of the timeline now. So we're really in a good place and a better place than we've been since the inception of it. You know, we have the federal grant monies. The city has committed that million. But the biggest thing that happened during the course of the last month is through the South Carolina DOT and the CHATS Policy Committee, some federal funding was committed back to that project to the tune of $14 million, voted on unanimously by the Regional Policy Committee. So uh, funded, and now it's on a fairly short time time frame, it, it needs to be up and running and completed by the end of 2026. So we're moving. And so the, the there was some talk about uh, shrinking the size of the bridge or changing some of the design specs. You know, the, the initial renderings I think people probably saw were, it was a pretty fancy looking bridge. And there was talk about kind of scaling that back a little bit. But right now it's it's on its way for the, the initial proposal, right? So as yeah. we were trying to fit the dollars that we had two or three months ago, there was talk about downsizing it and doing some value engineering. We met with the DOT and specifically um, 
Secretary Hall, and she said, look, you need to make this project iconic. It needs to be something that lasts for a lifetime. And um, so she was very enthusiastic about getting behind this project as designed originally with a 21-foot wide span. So that's the project we're going to put out there. It's uh, not going to be scaled back. And it'll be, uh, I I guess, um, there are some smaller bridges in Greenville, but it'll be kind of the only dedicated bike pedestrian bridge in South Carolina, I think. Well, will that's integrated to get people yeah. from place to place mm-hmm. along transit routes. Yeah. You know, they're building the, that little bridge up in North Charleston, which connects mm-hmm. sort of venues for entertainment. But this will be integrated into the transit system. Um, c- certainly multimodalism is part of it, yes. So this will be the first of its kind that I know of yeah. in this region and probably in the state. Yeah, you're mentioning the, the mm-hmm. bridge over Noisette Creek between Riverfront Park and right. the kind of the old Navy base in that's North right. Charleston. Yeah. Um, Which is, by the way, a very cool bridge. It, it does look great. Yeah, it yeah. right down the street. So, um, so part of this is to be able to connect people from West Ashley to downtown, downtown to West Ashley, and beyond. Uh, one thing that's come downtown recently, though, is uh, there's a new vendor, I guess, the city would call it, uh, for the bike share system. Yeah, Lime. Um, Lime is here. They're new kind of uh, uh, battery assist, I guess, bikes. Um, that doesn't mean there's like a throttle on it, but uh, you pedal and it kind of helps you along, right? Yeah, pedal yeah. assist. If you get on it, that that first turn you make with your feet, it gives you just a little bit of a push and, and gets you up and running. So it's it's they're great. If you, if you haven't tried one, go out and try it. This is kind of our second generation bike share. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been at it for five years. This is now our second sort of try at it. Yeah, and uh, so far so good. And there's talk about moving or expanding the program, especially with the bike bridge, uh, into areas off the peninsula, right? Absolutely. We need to get the bike share program into West Ashley, even before the bridge is actually open with the Greenway Mm -hmm. being expanded as it is and all the activity out there. I think you'll see a station or two out there pretty soon, and that will get people used to using the system. And when the bridge is up and running, then it'll be a natural. Yeah. Um, you're also the chair of CARTA, the uh, the bus system here in Charleston. Mostly. I am. Um, we're here in the middle of May. There's still this no pay May promotion, right? So people can just hop on, hop off as yeah. much as they no want. No pay May yeah. is a promotion that we felt like was a great way to give back to our ridership and to introduce the system to people who have may have some barriers. Um, no pay May, we're right in the middle of it. I rode this morning on, on a downtown route, and it was literally packed. And we talked to a lot of people. They love the no pay, no pay May concept. So just a way of us to give back to the community, introduce our system to others who otherwise might not be riding it, and see what we can do about increasing ridership. Has have gas prices impacted ridership at all? They definitely Carta? have. Yeah. I actually was looking at a chart that um, compared ridership with gas prices, and as the gas prices go up, our ridership goes up as well. There's a direct correlation. Huh. And people coming back from COVID, you know, the mask mandates were lifted on buses, which is is one thing, but like uh, I think people probably didn't get on a bus because they didn't have a mask or something like that sometimes, and, and, and it's a little bit safer now. Well, yeah. it is, and people yeah. are going back to work in mm-hmm. person. Yeah. I mean, what I observed this morning is at some of the the employment centers, people are getting on and off in large numbers. So, yeah, I mean, our ridership is back up. The no pay may is going to help us. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we've got brand new buses coming on the yep. routes. Mm-hmm. Our battery electric buses are out there running. So, yeah, it's a good time at Carter right now. Well, and then you mentioned some barriers. And, and I know some people, you, know, you see folks lining up to get on a bus on the curb and they all have their tickets or their cash ready. Um, but now there's a new way you can 
pay to get on the bus, and that doesn't involve any paper tickets or anything like that. All right. Well, during May, you don't have to worry about right, it. Right. Yeah, once yeah, once yeah. we get into weeks, June yeah, and beyond, yeah. uh, it's called Token Transit, and it allows you to download um, passes on your on your device and just scan when you get on. So super easy. You can buy a number of passes, and the good thing is, Token Transit is programs. If you buy in bulk, it will give you the best deal out there, so you'll know know what you're getting in advance. So it's up and running. Um, go load some fares on there, yeah. and when we go back to uh, charging the very minimum fee of two dollars to ride the bus, you'll be ready to roll. So there's been a lot of talk about the Asheville River Bridge recently, the new North Bridge that we're still pushing for, um, but the Low Country Rapid Transit is still on its way too. Where, where, where are we with that? Like, what's, low, yeah. low Country Rapid Transit is coming to a community near you. This community, um, we are about to get the go-ahead from the feds to take it from 30% to full design, which really is part of the grant process at the federal level. We're funded at the state level. That is a project that you will see a lot of activity on. We're all, we're not going to open it in segments, though. We're going to only open it when it's completed. It's 21 miles, so it's still got some years on it to go, but the project itself is is fully moving forward and on schedule. And that will connect, uh, right now, Ladson with downtown, yes. um, with uh, uh buses that have dedicated bus lanes in most areas along Rivers Avenue corridor and then in traffic downtown. That's yeah. right. About a little bit more than half the 21 miles will be actually dedicated lanes. The rest will be areas that we can program lights to make sure it moves right along. Um, yeah, it's the first large-scale transit project that not only this region, but the entire state of South Carolina has ever seen. It's really exciting. It'll be transformative um, for sure and give people options, which is what you need to do in, in yeah, mobility. It, it kind of parallels 26, you know, the main artery to get people into downtown and out of downtown uh, for work and, and visiting and stuff like that. And so it's really the closest thing we have to, you know, a light rail or a subway right. or something like that. Right. It, it is rubberized, but yeah. it will look a lot like light rail. It'd be at grade mm-hmm. on and boarding on and off. It also is an opportunity, not just for mobility, but along that corridor to think about development, transit-oriented development, yep. live-work-play development, density, and in that corridor, there's lots of opportunity for that. North Charleston has already adopted uh, an overlay district to see mm-hmm. what they can do with it. So I think you will see a lot of changes for the better uh, along the corridor as we get closer to opening the, the route. And I grew up in Charlotte, and so we have the light rail that opened there right. after I moved away. But if you go back, I'm going back this weekend, if you go back, there's tons of development all around the light rail, and that's what you're talking about, that transit oriented development, right? It, People want to live near these lines, and so you see, you know, home values going up, uh, new development, and restaurants. And also opportunities yeah. for density, so you can have multi tiered housing, for instance. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Charlotte's. We're talking a great about example. how there's a sh- the housing shortage downtown. Absolutely. Yeah. Shortage and, and, and accessibility. I yeah. mean, it's so expensive, and yeah. if you can have the density and have people in those areas, where you could live, you can work, you can shop, you can do all those things, really change it. Charlotte's a great example. Yeah. Cleveland's a great example. Mm-hmm. The Health Line, they built it, and I mean, my goodness, it's its own economy now. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and Charlotte started with one mile. One mile, and every time I pull up the Observer website, they're looking at new kind of forks for the line, too. So this is just the first. And like you were saying, Secretary Hall mentioned about the bridge. It's kind of a proof of concept. That's right. And again, to to the credit of the state DOT, they're very much behind low country rapid transit as well. They want to see it succeed, as we all do. And this will be the spine, and it will be easy to build off of it once we've got it in place. You mentioned you were on the bus this morning, and uh, we were just talking about getting people in and out of downtown for work. during COVID, or I guess at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, the CARTA paused the HOP line, which is the kind of 
park and ride. Is it free park and ride? Um, for, so the hospitality employees. Yeah, oriented toward hospitality workers. Right. Yeah. We, had, we, had a, we had a parking lot that we charged $5 for, and then the bus actually was a circulator bus, ran extended hours and was for free. Mm-hmm. And it was wildly popular. It was very successful. And then COVID came, and obviously the hospitality industry got hit harder than any other industry in the world. Mm-hmm. Now that it's back and thriving again, we need to get that hop going. What I observed this morning riding the bus downtown is in the hospitality centers, people were getting off in large numbers. So we've got a few barriers out there, um, one of which is we're still allowing people to park on our streets at the meters for free. Um, We need to change that and then sort of get the hop running back again so that that parking on the streets transient. We have permanent parking in a lot and people can get in and out safely and efficiently. Yeah, so as we come back from the pandemic, we see tourism numbers going up. We in the past 10 years, obviously, have seen hotels and stuff open all over downtown. We're talking about getting uh, people into downtown without cars, but all these tourists and everybody have have cars. There's more people living downtown. Uh, once you get, like, say, that bridge is completed, once you get across the bridge or you pick up a line bike, it still it still can be pretty tricky to ride your bike downtown. What, what needs to happen so that it becomes safer and easier uh, to ride if you're an everyday rider or if you're just, you know, hopping on a line bike for the so first time? Clearly, multimodalism is important. Downtown Charleston is a tough physical environment to have lots of different things going on and lots of different modes of transportation on our streets. But we we have some plans out there. We need to start implementing them and give accessibility for biking that's safe, not just the streets integrated. So uh, as we invest huge number of dollars in building this bike pedestrian bridge, we need to have not an equal investment, but we need to have an investment in making sure that our streets downtown are safe so people can transverse north, south, and east, west. In some ways right now, you can't get east, west safely on a bike, and we need to really think about that. It seems like it's a little bit of a chicken and egg problem, right? Like, uh, you know, people won't look for bikes unless there are more bikes on the street, but, you know, until there are more bikes on the street, it's still a little bit dangerous. Yeah, that's right. And I I think as we move forward and we see sort of the demographics of of downtown Charleston change with all the apartments out there and people telecommuting and all that and not really needing and wanting cars all the time, bikes are going to become more popular. And so we're going to have to build an infrastructure and a system that accommodates that. And, And we're not there yet. Yeah. Well, Councilman, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to join me on Now Charleston. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Look forward to doing it again. Great. Thanks. Thanks. That's all I've got for you today. If you have feedback for the show, you can leave a voice message at 843-474-1319 or email sam at nowcharleston.com. If you can rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now, that's also a huge help. And as always, check nowcharleston.com for links and notes from today's show. To make sure you don't miss anything, follow twitter.com slash nowcharleston and instagram.com slash nowcharleston. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back on Wednesday with the next Now Charleston.